podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everyone, and a very Merry Christmas to you all from everyone of us at GigPod. We hope you had a great day and are currently enjoying the festive break, and Celtic made things even more pleasant in a strange period of the year where no one has a clue what day it is by smashing Hibs last night to keep his nine points clear of Rangers, going into the match at Ibrox on the 2nd of January. So I'm Stevie, and with me to discuss last night's win at Easter Road is Spunkphone. Now, Rizzo, the working class hero of the podcast, has a terrible habit of introducing Spunkphone as a guest when he is very much a part of GigPod alongside the pair of us. So, I'll introduce Spunkphone here in a very fitting manner. Spunkphone, are you watching that Prince Andrew musical later on? Thanks very much for that intro there, Stevie. Um, the catch is that he appears on stage and says, I'm sorry. It's been a while since you and I have been on. As you say, it is normally John Reed, the working class hero, who has my partner in crime on here. But... Um, Looking forward to getting into what was a stellar performance from Celtic last night with your, your good self. Thanks for that, brother. I am as well. And we'll get right into it then, because last night with the lineup, there was a lot of discussion if CCV was going to be playing with him walking a cliche income in here. Suspension tightrope. Apparently, he's only one yellow card away from a suspension. And if he got one last night, then he would have missed Ibrooks. But then I was reading people saying that it was actually he's on four bookings um, and not five this season. I could have been less lazy, shall we say, and just looked this up myself. But instead, I just let everybody argue amongst themselves. Truly, the gig pod way, isn't it? But no, when we put out our predicted lineup on Instagram, we got the majority of the team right. We got the goalkeeper, defence, midfield. We're all covered. Ange picked them. We did think that Jota and Forrest were going to start in the wings alongside Kyle got front. My reason for that was with Forrest playing so well against St Johnston at the weekend, and I don't really see Forrest starting at Ibrox. I thought that Ange would have you know, kept the confidence going for him and started him at Easter Road last night. And then with Jota, I fully expect him to start at Ibrox. I thought he would have given him minutes towards that game by playing him um, against Hibs. But no, he opted to go with Daiza Maeda and Leila Bada. It was a real stellar performance, as you said, last night's punk phone. But I guess the main talking point is the fact that when you look at the strength that we have got in the wings, I mean, if Maida wasn't featuring, if Forrest wasn't featuring, or Avada, you've got like Haxabanovich, you know, and Jota there as well. When you look at the position we're in, Spunkphone, like maybe to what we were in a year ago, if we had one of our wild players out, Mikey Johnson had to fill in. And I like Mikey Johnson, but he's nowhere near on the level of the player that we've currently got now. And some position for the manager to be in, isn't it? Oh, it's it's night and day, Stevie, compared to a year ago. Um, as you say, if we had one or two injury problems last year, then it would have been the likes of, as you say, Mikey Johnson, Owen Moffat. Juranovic was even playing off the right and off the left as well in December last year. So it's 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 real real changed days um compared to this time last season. Again, another cliche in coming here, but there was that question to the manager after the game about a potential selection headache um heading into the game at Ibrox. It did make the point, obviously, that the real headache would be if he didn't have the options there, and, and I suppose that is the, the right way of looking at it. Um we've got so many players at the moment. So many good players in every position who are all in, in good form as well. The team last night didn't really come as too much a surprise to myself. Um, Hitati obviously continuing at right back off the back of 
pretty incredible performance um, at the weekend. Obviously, a lot was made when he joined last season. But being a bit of a utility player um, and he really shone in that position, not just on uh, at the weekend, but but last night as well. And as you say, it's the strength and depth we've got, particularly in those wide areas. Dyson, obviously, absolutely fantastic last night. We'll come on to him. And Abada thought had a really good game as well. So, no, we're in a, a really good place at the moment, um, uh, especially in those wide areas, as you say. See, um, when I was doing the podcast prediction competition with Rizzo a couple of episodes ago, I actually thought this was going to be a tight game and said to him, I think we'd win 3-2. But then last night, classic change of heart from me. Couple of hours beforehand, I just said to him, "I think we're going to run out like three or four nil winners." I feel really confident about this, and I just feel a lot of that was down to our performance on Saturday. And after that performance, I just said, "I think Hibs were going to be in for a real battering." When it kicked off, maybe for the first five minutes or so, we were actually texting each other saying, "What is going on here?" Because we were a wee bit over the place. I don't want to say fully disjointed, but Hibs did come and have a go and fair play to them. But it was all just about that game sort of calming down and settling, wasn't it? And see when it settled after the first 15, 20 minutes or so. Celtic were in total control all over the park. A lot of that was really down to the high energy of Dyson Maeda. He gave Chris Cadden a real nightmare. The way he's came back after the World Cup, he's like a different player, isn't he? I mean, on this podcast, myself and Rizzo did criticise him. I wouldn't say heavily. I think we were quite constructive. We did say that he's an effective player. We need a guy like Dyson. We always going about that performance at Irox. I think he was just going through a bit of a respell where nothing was coming off for him, especially in the Champions League, of course. And there was a lot of people, certainly online, that were maybe being a bit more personal and a lot more critical than we were. I don't think we shied away for the fact that a respell out of the team would have done him the world a good. But see, since he's went to the World Cup and he got his goal for Japan and he played really well for them, he's came back a totally different player and he looks more like the player that we got last season where he was just so full of energy. A real threat to every defence. He was just fantastic last night. We'll go on to his goals, we'll go on to his assists, but talking about the way that he's came back for that World Cup spunk phone, have you noticed it as well? Because myself and Reed's are going about it sort of constant in the last few days here. No, absolutely. Um, obviously, going to the World Cup, there's a lot of questions about um, Japan's selection because obviously they left Hitati and Kyogo um, back in Glasgow and, and then obviously going into the tournament, Dyson seemed to be the, the kind of preferred option up front for them. He got that goal against Croatia and I think it's obviously just gave him a massive, massive lift because he's came back and as you say, there was a, a fair bit of criticism aimed at him in the first part of the season. I think some of it was fair, as you say, some of it's just, um, just the usual kind of over-the-top nonsense, but it, it does look... Like he's on real top form now, having came back from that World Cup. And as I say, I, th- I think he's obviously got a big boost from Japan doing pretty well over there, obviously getting those big results against the likes of Germany and Spain. So, again, last night, thought it was terrific. We'll come on to the goals, but it's, it's all around the energy and the way that just give Chris Cadden the run around to. He's pretty quick himself, by the way, but there's a few times Dyson would pass him and it looked as though he basically wasn't there. Yeah, really strong performance from him last night, as I say. We'll, we'll come on to the goals, but. He's looked like he's had the, the weight of the world, I suppose, lifted off his shoulders after his, his exploits over in Qatar. Yeah, we'll talk about the goals right now and a wee observation from Moyes one. Again, great work by Dyson, taking Cadden right out of the game, cracking ball across. And I like the way that Moy hit it because when you see it from behind the goal, or I think it may be the angle behind Moy, he hits it down into the ground and it goes past Marshall. There's every chance that if he had such a clean connection with that, 
it's probably hitting off one of the Hibs defenders or Marshall was able to block it. It was a smart finish, and fatty finish as well, if you will. And it was great to see Moy getting his first goal. Adam Moy really deserves that. When he first joined, he obviously took pelters for that game against, I think it was Norwich when he started, wasn't it? In pre-season, you had so many people saying it's like he's towing a caravan and, you know, what's this guy doing at Celtic? And a lot of people were quite underwhelmed when he signed. They're expecting like a superstar midfielder and we get a guy in like that in a free. And I don't know what Celtic fans were expecting actually um, for our business in the summer. But if there's one thing that we can take from... What we've learned since I just came in is that nine times out of ten, his signings are going to be successes. And I think Moy is going to go down as another successful one. His performance on Saturday against St Johnston, he came right into that game. He was so selfless setting up Hitati for the first goal and he just controlled it after like 20 minutes or so. It was the same last night. I don't know if we're going to start seeing Moy scoring every week in order and I don't even think he'll still be able to be playing. Every week of that, I think the manager's going to be having to rotate that squad pretty heavily as the weeks evolve and we've got more competitions to be playing in, like the Scottish Cup and also we've got the League Cup. But yeah, it was really good to see, wasn't it? We had Moy finally getting that first goal for Celtic last night's bunk phone and it was a smart finish. Yeah, it was, it was top notch of the weekend. Again, another guy who's came back for the World Cup and, and I think really, really kicked on. It was one of those ones in the summer when the signing was made, it wasn't exactly the most exciting of signings. It, it was never really one that was going to set the world alight. I think it was important to bear in mind that he played very little in the way of regular club football over the last kind of two years due to obviously being over in China. And and to be fair, I was quite critical of him in, in some of his early appearances when he was playing in that kind of Callum McGregor role as the, the deeper of the, the midfield three. I, I thought he did look a good bit off it. Again, that might have just been a case of, of, of fitness and of sharpness. But since he's been playing further forward as one of the, the eights, obviously at the weekend and again last night, um, he's looked a completely different player. And as I say, I think he's another guy who's had a big boost off the back of that World Cup in, in Australia, obviously doing very well in the tournament as well. Um, and, and he had obviously a few outstanding games um, over in Qatar. Really good finish, took the goal really well and obviously had the, the calmness from the penalty spot with the, with his second as well. But no, he, he looks as if he's a player who's really, really kicking on and Looking forward to obviously seeing what he can do in the second half of the season. It's another great option to have in that midfield. Yep, and let's talk about Dyson's wonder goal now. We put out on Instagram who the man in the match was. It was between Dyson Maeda, Adam Moy, Callum McGregor and Carol Starfelt. We put out Adam Moy. Probably no surprise to find out he got over 70% of the vote. But I personally thought Dyson Maeda was the man in the match. His assist was first class for Moy for the opener. Came at a very important time for us. His finish for that second goal was just insane. I mean, a lot of Dyson Maeda, the goals that he scores for Celtic, when you watch them back, every goal is pretty much a sclaff or it's, you know, a tapping or something. I don't think I've ever seen a Dyson Maeda finish that was technically brilliant. And that's not a dig at him, by the way. That is just the fact that he's always in the right place at the right time. And every one of his goals for us has been important anyway. You know, you go back to the Hearts 4-1 game last season when he made it one each at a time we were getting beat. Um third last game of the season, I think it was, stuff like that. And the goal against Livingston, he was in the right place at the right time to head at home. I've never seen a Dyson Maeda. I certainly did not expect to see that type of strike from him. And I think what was good about it is the fact that he takes Cadden out again, shocker. But see when he's advancing towards goal, Greg Taylor makes a really smart run and he takes like two Hibs players out of the game. Now, if you're a Hibs fan, you're absolutely seething at that. Celtic took total advantage of it, the way that Maeda cut inside and he just struck it so well, like the ball, just when you watch the ball travelling past David Marshall in there, hardly even spins at all, he just connected the way it's so, so well. 
and it's now good to see that Dyson Maeda is capable of that because I was like when I was watching it, I wasn't screaming at him not to shoot or anything. He was in a great angle and he worked the space for himself. He actually literally worked himself into a shoot, if you will. If you fit Maeda doing that, it just goes to show that the way that he's getting coached, I've read somewhere, I think it was on Kennedale Street, saying that Harry Kuehl is working intensely with him now. You wouldn't have expected that last season at all. And a lot of our players, certainly now, under Ange in this second season, are taking their games to new levels. And if Maeda's capable of doing that, even better. Yeah, it was a, a really impressive finish, as you say. It's not one you would necessarily um, expect out of Dyson. Particularly having, obviously, that sort of horror miss um, seconds before. But it just goes to show, obviously, how kind of resilient he is for him to just pick himself up that quickly and, and go again. Once again, had Cadden on toast, put some over on his arse. To be fair, it looked as if Dyson was about to lose his footing as well at that point. As you say again, then, it's that brilliant kind of run for Greg Taylor to take the two Hibs players at the game. It's just a, a really terrific finish. It's no surprise to hear, really, that he's been working close with, with Harry Kuehl if he's now got that in his locker and, and hopefully there's more to come. But yeah, as I say, just a really impressive goal to, to cap off what was another really good performance from him as well. Of course, one of the shout-outs has to go to Carol Starfelt too. Starfelt was just so commanding in the air. I think any time that was in the air, Starfelt is just a rock for us, and he's so reliable. I still think there's bits of his game that he can improve on, like a couple of slack passes were a bit wayward last night as well. Obviously, they didn't cause us any problems in the end, but I just feel like when it comes to passing out for the back, Starfelt can be a bit slow and laborious, but see when the ball's in there, um, he's so, so commanding. He's a real colossus for us, and him and Carl Vickers are definitely the manager's sort of preferred um, backpedaling, and I can't really see they two being shifted anytime soon. Even with Kobayashi coming in, of course, it will pose a new threat in a good way to Starfield. That's what you want to see, and it'll be a big challenge for him to keep his place. But seeing a few months' time when it comes to the end of the season, I still feel it's going to be Starfield and CCV that are a first-choice centre-half pairing. Do you agree, or do you feel Kobayashi coming in, despite the fact that none of us have actually seen him? Um, in the flesh or anything before we went on some YouTube compilation highlights there and some hearsay for people on Twitter how do you think it's going to look for Starfield in the next few months I think Ange will have full faith in him and he'll be the man alongside CCV's punk phone well as we've, we've um, touched on already obviously having a strong squad and, and having depth in each position and competition for places is, is no bad thing obviously there's been a fair bit of rotation uh, centre half some of that's been enforced throughout the first half of the season and it's nothing against the guys that have came in Jens and Welsh for example but uh, for me the preferred choice has always been Carter Vickers back there with, with staff out and you saw that again last night the two of them were just solid I think the thing with Starfield is there was obviously the narrative fairly early on, as you said, that he was a bit of a bomb scare. He's an accident waiting to happen. I think, you know, over the course of the second half of last season and also the first half of this season, that narrative was well and, well and truly over, uh, well and truly ended. Pretty bizarre to say it in a 4 0 win. Um, but obviously, Moy's performance aside, aside Dyson um, as well, he really was up there for man of the match last night. I thought he was absolutely solid. He said brilliant in the air, his interception as well, any kind of ball into the box, he was the first to it, clearing it every time as well. Competition for places, I say, is a, a good thing. I'm looking forward to seeing Kobayashi, seeing what he can bring. Um, but at, at the moment, it's definitely going to be Starfield and, and Carter Vickers going forward. Winning at Easter Road last night, it's been well documented, hasn't it, Spunkphone, that it's never an easy place to go for us. hasn't been since Hibs came back up from the Championship. But when you look at it now, like Ange went there last season in October, the game that wasn't on Sky, swatted them aside 3-1, 
Of course, there was that draw there last season, but again, last night, gubbed them pretty uh, thoroughly. And it's a lot like what he's done with that narrative against Livingston. He's just smashing them and he's breaking them every time, isn't it? Like, we've heard all this stuff about how oh, Livingston, what a bogey ground that is, dodgy place to go. And that's now twice now, Andrews went last season and now this season. And we've went there and made light work of them. Like we did the Easter Road last night, domestically. Under Ange, I just don't feel that no matter what the narrative is, I feel like really confident that he's going to set up the team properly, he's going to deploy the right personnel, we're going to have the right attitude to do these teams. And when you look at it, Spunk Phone, when you look at the table here, like 19 games played, that's 18 wins, only one defeat. It came from that one at St Mirren a few months ago. 61 goals scored, only 15 conceded. We scored the most in the, out of all the teams in the league. We've conceded the least out of all the teams in the league. And when you look at the way that the manager, as I said, sets us up and the, the teams that he picks, for all the moaning on a certain application that me and you would never criticise whatsoever, Spunk Phone, everybody before the games is always moaning about the players that the manager picks. It's almost like, do you never learn? Apart from St Mirren, he's got it spot on domestically every single time. Yeah, people obviously point to things like budget, for example, but the likes of Livingston and, and obviously Habs away have been really difficult tests for us in the last few years. And, you know, the last two at Livingston have won pretty comfortably now. Two out of three at Easter Road and, and obviously unbeaten there as well. It's changed the mentality, basically, in going to these venues. There was even Kelly earlier on the season where people are going, oh, it could be a tough test, plastic pitch, etc., etc. And we went there and just absolutely hammered them. The form that we've shown in, in 2022 has been utterly ridiculous. I mean, the level of consistency in the the league has been frightening. Um, you've listed off a couple of stats there. There was a few more on, on Sky last night about um, how we've taken more points and how I think we've scored more goals as well than basically any other top flight side in Europe. And I know people, get, again, talk about the financial gulf between Celtic in relation to the other teams in the league and talk about the standard Scottish football to, to, to put it down, but it's it's pretty incredible when you consider what he'd inherited last summer to, to have us in a, a situation now where um, we're basically going and, and smashing these records and, and ending these hoodoos um, at tricky away venues as well. Um, it's been absolutely phenomenal. And more often than not, he gets the team spot on. You and I at times have... have possibly questioned it, much less so this season, but maybe once or twice last season and we were quickly proven wrong. You know, what, what a phenomenal job he's done and, and credit to the players as well because I say the, the level of consistency in 2022 domestically has, has just been phenomenal. When you think about it too, like, you know, that Neil Lennon 2020-2021 team, they were man for man, they were better than pretty much every team other than Rangers in that league and if it was just as easy as turning up and been better than them on paper. We may have been gubbed uh, 2-1 at home to St Mirren. We may have dropped points at Petaudry and stuff like that. I mean, the attitude and the application and the general sort of desire in the squad has to be first class. And I think Ange really has hammered that home that every single game is so important to keep the standards up. And the manager isn't a stranger to that. I mean, he's just, he takes the job really, really seriously. And you can see with every team that he sets up that it's not just done in the back of a fag packet or anything like <laughs> Mike Bassett or anything like that. He's Genuinely, you know, he's so meticulous in what he does and he's probably, over that week, his entire thought is going into choosing the right team for that particular game. So yeah, we've got the right man in charge and when I did rhyme that off earlier, when I say that's 18 wins out of 19, 
I don't know anybody, any Celtic fan that can be questioning Ange Postecoglou domestically. A fantastic performance last night from Celtic. Now I'm going to come on to talk about the best moment of 2022 involving Celtic with yourself. There's been quite a few, right? And of course to everybody who knows that we were supposed to be doing a three-man pod where this was going to be covered uh, on Friday, just before the St Johnston game. Of course, Rizzo's unwell and he's came down with that flu that everybody's got. Me and Spunkphone also had it too. So unfortunately, that had to be canned. But I'm going to put you on the spot, Spunk Phone, and ask what was the best moment in 2022 involving Celtic for yourself? So I really was spoilt for choice with this particular question, Stevie. Uh, but but as I said about Anne's last night, the real headache would have been um, uh, if I had less to choose from than, than obviously all the, the wonderful moments we've had scattered throughout 2022. Plenty to choose from, but I think for me, the one that, that just nicks it ahead of the others would have to be the 3-0 game against Rangers in February last season um, as I say it was a, a very difficult one to choose I'm spoke for choice just in games against them alone but the form that we were in in the previous games against them I think it was 6 without a win the, the previous one against them had been that League Cup final where let's face it they absolutely hammered us on the day and it was Fraser Foster and, and the introduction of Edward off the bench that really won us the game that day for us to go out there and, and basically just swat them aside in the manner that we did. Hitati absolutely bursting on the scene. I know he'd obviously scored the goal at Tynecastle the week prior, but for him to do it in a game of that magnitude as well it was just phenomenal. Um, and I think it was the moment where, certainly for me and I think many others as well, we were finally convinced that winning the league um, in Angie's first season was possible. I, th- I think that night we went top, albeit I think it was just by a point, but that for me was the moment that, that I was really convinced that we were able to go on and, and win the title last season, which we obviously then went on to do. So, as I say, spoilt for choice, but I'd have to go with a 3 0 game in February. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving up your time. And I'll talk to you in 2023. Look forward to it, Stevie. Thanks very much for having me. And uh, obviously, a very Merry Christmas to all the listeners and a Happy New Year when it comes as well. Thanks very much for all your support in 2022. Yep, I'll echo exactly what Spunkphone said there. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to GigPod and thanks for standing by us as well despite the couple of cancellations we've had to do recently as I already mentioned that three man Christmas pod um, due to illness and we've still not done the Nakamura one but there's no rush for it we will get to it it's just been some issues with timing in December other than that we will definitely be with you through the next few games anyway so I'm going to be doing a preview with Rizzo tomorrow and that should be out tomorrow night as well Definitely before the game in the second and after the game in the second, I'll be on 67 Hail Hail with Hamish. Then I'll be doing a review the next day with Rizzo as well. So hopefully we'll be talking about Celtic going 12 points clear in the title race. Well, title race is a bit of a loose way of putting it. Let's just say 12 points clear in the league. But yeah, thanks to everybody for tuning in. I'm Stevie and as Spunkphone said, your support is really welcome this year and hopefully you continue to tune into GigPod next year in 2023 you can catch us on itunes spotify and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts we're also on instagram and twitter you know what our handle is there so have a great new year and we'll talk to you soon
Social Podcast Network. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide.